John chapter 19, verses 23 through 27. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. They said, Therefore among themselves, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Therefore the soldiers did these things. Now they stood by the cross of Jesus' mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife, Clopas, and, Mar- and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple, whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then they said to his disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour that disciple took her to his own home. Good morning. We have a good presence here this morning. We are thankful for your attendance and your interest in spiritual things. We have those who are visiting with us. We're especially grateful that you are here with us this morning to come worship, and we are glad that we have an opportunity to be together this Lord's Day to come to glorify our Father in heaven and to study from His Word. If you would be turning in your Bibles to John the 19th chapter, John chapter 19 is where we are going to be studying as we have just read from that text uh, and appreciate Dylan doing that reading for us. In John chapter 19, we have here uh, where Jesus is being crucified. And as He is suffering on the cross... And as he has been on the cross for a few hours at this point, we have been in the midst of a study on the seven stayings of Jesus on the cross. And we come to the third statement that Jesus makes here. As the crucifixion of Jesus causes us to reflect and to think on the betrayal the pain, the anguish that Jesus must have been going through, the excruciating pain that He must have felt. Our minds reflect upon the reasons that He endured such pain. That He was submissive to His Father's will, that He went to the cross to secure forgiveness and atonement by shedding His blood so that we could be saved. And not just us only, but... He offered Himself for the sins of the whole world. And one perhaps area that we neglect to think about when we think about the Lord's suffering on the cross is the relational aspect of death. And that comes with any death. Whether it be our own death or someone whom we love or whether we're talking about Jesus' death. That whenever death happens, there is a loss of someone that we love. And there is a relationship that we used to have that does not exist, at least in the same way that it used to. Maybe you've lost a parent. Or maybe you've lost a child. Maybe you've lost grandparents a friend that you grew up with, a 
brother or sister in Christ that you were close with. Death brings a separation in that relationship with the ones that we deeply love. And that's a trait and a mark of humanity. And something that I think we're going to notice this morning is Jesus' humanity. And that we need to stop and appreciate that Jesus lost relationships whenever He went to the cross and as He died. And there were people who were there at the cross that are mentioned and named in Scripture in verse 25 that there was His mother and His mother's sister, so His aunt. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. There were those women that were there that He had developed relationships with and they lost something that day when Jesus was on the cross and as He offered His life. Jesus faced the reality of losing family and friends and as His, mother, his own mother was at the foot of the cross watching her son endure the anguish and the pain can only imagine what that might have been like. And as we have studied and we have noted, we have seen that there were the words of forgiveness that Jesus offered and that He prayed. Whenever He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And then there is the hope that He offered to the thief on the cross. And as he, they were both dying, He said, Truly I say to you, today you shall be with Me in paradise. Today we see a word of affection. Behold your mother. Jesus offers these words to His disciple. In verse 26, Woman, behold your son. In verse 27, Behold your mother. And then you have the silence for about three hours of darkness between 12 and 3 p.m., then approximately around 3 p.m., whenever Jesus said, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You again see His humanity, and as He says, I am thirsty, as He implored for just something to drink. When He said, it is finished, His resolution to follow through and to finish what God had handed him to do and given him to do. And then whenever his final statement on the cross, just before he gave up his spirit, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The words of Jesus on the cross provide great lessons for us that we need to consider. And so I want us to think about this statement that Jesus makes here in John chapter 19, and particularly in verse 26 it says, when Jesus saw, then saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing nearby, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son. That Jesus, He saw His mother. And you can only imagine as He is hanging on the cross, as He is enduring the pain and the anguish and the physical turmoil of having been beaten, the humiliation that he had suffered with the mocking, then he looks down and he sees his mother. 
you can only imagine what that might have done to him emotionally. Knowing that he was dying and that his mother was going to be left without him. And as of all the things that Jesus could have been thinking about while on the cross, all the things that Jesus could have been concerned about, that could have been occupying His mind, how He could have been crying out about His pain, how He could have been trying to bring attention to the awfulness and, and the injustice that had been done to Him. That's not what He does. What He does when He sees His mother, He says, woman, behold your son. And then in verse 27, then He said to the disciple, behold your mother. That this is kind of an exchange here that is somewhat similar to at least in first century practices of adoption. That Jesus was officially giving His mother into the care of one of His disciples. I believe that disciple, the Apostle John. John usually refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved in third person here throughout the Gospel of John. And so Jesus' concern was not on Himself. It was, as we have seen with the other three statements, or other two statements, that He was concerned about the sins of other people that were putting Him to death. Father, forgive them. Or whenever He gave hope to the thief on the cross. Today you will be with Me in paradise. Here He does not bring attention to Himself. He says... I'm concerned about my mother. That even in His death, Jesus honored His mother. He was committed to the law of God that is found and based on the Ten Commandments in the book of Exodus, in Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus, the 20th chapter, as the Ten Commandments were given, and in verse 12, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. That Jesus was committed even in His death. You see His resolve and His commitment to doing what God said. We learn in chapter 21 and in verse 17 of the book of Exodus that if you curse your father or mother, you're worthy of death. Jesus was dying, but He had not done anything that would have been worthy of death, and yet here He was on the cross. The Apostle Paul reminds children in the book of Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 6, that children are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. Jesus is the perfect example in this. He shows us that even whenever He could have been thinking about Himself and the pain and the anguish that He was enduring, He was not going to think about Himself. He was only caring 
for others. And what is perhaps intriguing in the life of Christ is in thinking about Mary as she was there witnessing all of this, seeing her son suffer and hang on that cross. Jesus was her oldest child. And Jesus had siblings. Sometimes that comes as a little bit of a surprise to us because there's not a lot of attention given to them in Scripture. But in Matthew's account of the life of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 13, in Matthew the 13th chapter, and at the end of that chapter, in verse 55, Jesus has come back to Nazareth and people recognize Him. In verse 55, they say, Is not this the carpenter's son? Referring to Joseph and Presumably, Joseph is dead at this point, and Mary has been widowed. And so the responsibility of caring for his mother would have fallen to the oldest child. But they ask, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? That Jesus, He had siblings but He was the one who was commissioned to care for His widowed mother. And if you think that his, this was a tight-knit, close family, you might need to think again, because in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 7, especially as Jesus began teaching and preaching, and as He began to perform miracles, and as crowds were beginning to follow Him and believe in Him as the Son of God, in John the seventh chapter, in John chapter seven, and in verse five, it says, For not even his brothers were believing in him. There are other passages in the Gospel of Mark that indicate they might have actually thought he was going crazy. And so Jesus apparently, as you can tell, that he did not give his mother to be in the charge of his siblings, but among his disciples, one of his disciples. Which indicates to us that Jesus understood the principle that sometimes our own family might become our enemies, and that his true family are those who are committed to doing what God wants us to do. In Mark the third chapter, remember Mark chapter 3 and what Jesus taught there. In Mark chapter 3, as the crowds were saying, hey, look, your mother is here. Your brothers, they're outside. They've come to see you. And Jesus answered them and He said, who are my mother and my brothers? Looking about at those who are sitting around Him, He said, behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. That as Mary was widowed, 
already. Now her firstborn son, Jesus, is ensuring that his mother is going to be cared for by his family, by his true family, by family that is not based on blood, but based on doing the will of God. And this was something that Jesus had to battle throughout His preaching ministry and in His life. He oftentimes would point out the hypocrisy and the sin of not caring for father or mother. In Matthew, the 15th chapter, in Matthew chapter 15, Jesus, He is engaged in a discussion with the Pharisees about their own traditions. In Matthew chapter 15 and in verse 3, as they have come to Him and they're complaining to Him about His disciples not washing their hands, He says in verse 3, And He answered and said to them, Why do you yourselves transgress the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? That's so important to see that the problem with Phariseeism was not necessarily their traditions. It was that they violated the command of God to uphold their tradition. And that's exactly what He points out. He quotes from the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments, Honor your father and mother, and he who speaks evil of father or mother is to be put to death. Those two passages in the book of Exodus that we looked at. But then He says in verse 5, But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever I have that would help you has been given to God. He is not to honor his father or his mother. And by this, you invalidated the Word of God for the sake of your tradition that the Pharisees, they had this, they understood this principle that you're supposed to take care of your father or your mother. But you could designate a certain portion of your income and your finances and your household. Well, I've given it to God. And that was their little loophole for getting out of taking care of their parents. And Jesus calls them, rightly so, hypocrites. Jesus was not going to be that way. Jesus understands what it means to honor your father and your mother. Even as He is dying on the cross, He is expressing the fullest commitment to taking care of his mom. In 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, it's no wonder that the Apostle Paul would write to us as the saints. He says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. If you refuse to take care of your family, Paul says, you're worse than an unbeliever or an infidel. Jesus expresses the fullest commitment to recognizing His mother and providing care for her even after He would be unable to. And something that we need to recognize is even when among the Lord's people, we need 
people like the disciple whom Jesus loved, the Apostle John. We need people in the church who are willing to care for the aged and the widowed. Even if they're not blood relatives, we need people like that among the Lord's people. We need to realize that our spiritual bond may defy and go beyond any natural and earthly relationships that we may have. Well, my mother is in good health and and I, I am in good health. I, I hope that continues to be a blessing that we receive from the Lord. But I hope that there would be people among the church that if something were to happen to me or my dad where I could say and make plans and say, take care of my mom. That's what Jesus was doing. And then you think about Mary. Think about Mary's position there as she was watching her son in anguish. As she was seeing him in the pain and the agony. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 2, in Luke chapter 2, and in verse 25, as Jesus had been born and they, Mary and, Mo, and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to have Him circumcised on the eighth day as was in accordance with the law. In verse 25 it says, And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your own soul to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Sometimes it's customary whenever there's a new baby that's born that you might send a card to the mother. Maybe to the father, but especially the mother. Congratulating them on the addition to their family. Can you imagine getting that kind of card? (laughs) It says, your son has been appointed for the rise and fall and He's going to die and then your own soul is going to be pierced. 
and you're holding your eight-day-old baby. Can you imagine that? That's what happened to Mary. That even her own soul would be pierced. That she was suffering right along with Jesus. In a different way, no doubt. But she stood by her son and suffered right along with him. Which makes it even more impressive that as Jesus was, just before He really began to fully embrace His public preaching and teaching, that she was the one who was kind of encouraging Him. In John, the second chapter, just before Jesus performed His very first miracle at Cana, at the wedding there in Cana, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was in a lot of ways due to Mary's influence. In John, the second chapter, in John chapter 2 and in verse 3, it said, when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to Him, they have no wine. She didn't go to the person who was in charge of the party or the wedding. She went to her son. They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. And His mother said to the servants, Whatever He says to you, do it. (laughs) Sometimes it takes that mother's knowledge to know that the time is right. Even when we ourselves don't know. (laughs) Mother's intuition, right? She had encouraged Jesus to embrace His mission and she learned to believe in Him that even whenever He was a child and at 12 years old and He was left at the temple, He said, I must be about my Father's business. Jesus was never discouraged by His mother or His Father from doing what He was supposed to do. And what I find amazing is between age of eight days old to when Jesus was 12, there's a lot of... We don't know what Jesus' youth was like. Between 12 and age 30, we don't know what Jesus' childhood was like. Which has left a lot in terms of mystery, right? There's been a lot of mystery. There's been a lot of fables and myths that have come about as a result of that silence in Jesus' life, that time period. And some people like to really exaggerate what might have happened in the life of Jesus. But I think the very opposite is what the Scriptures point to in in that silence. It's not that Jesus was doing strange things at the age of eight. It's that he was a normal child. Mary was a normal mother. Whenever he would fall, she would pick him up. 
Whenever he scraped his knee, she would clean the wound and bandaging. She prepared meals for a growing boy. Whenever he was sad, she was there to comfort him. When he was scared, she was there to protect him. Whenever he had questions, she was there to answer them. She was a mother to him at all times, even in death. She accepted the fact that she would suffer along with her son. Woman, behold your son. And when all of Jesus' disciples had abandoned him, when all of the disciples that had abandoned him except for the one that Jesus loved and the women that were at the cross, his mother was there. Even though it meant that sword that would pierce even her own soul. And it's amazing when you think about what would happen just a little while later. Three days later. In John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, and in verse 1, it says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid Him. Mary Magdalene, she's going to the tomb. She runs and gets Peter and John, the one whom Jesus had given charge over his mother for her protection. And so Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, they set off for the tomb. It says in verse 3, So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head not lying with the linen wrapping, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went again to their own homes. You ever notice that? Why do they go to their homes? 
Why don't they go to the streets proclaiming, Jesus is risen? Might it be that the disciple whom Jesus loved that had been given charge of Mary, he wanted to go share that news that her son was raised from the dead with her first. Mary becomes a fairly prominent disciple. In Acts chapter 1, the early stages of the church, the apostles beginning to understand their mission to go preach the gospel. In Acts chapter 1 and in verse 13, it says, When they had entered the city, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, that is, Peter and John and James and Andrew and Philip and Thomas and Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot and Judas the son of James. Trust me, it took a lot of work to not just try to sing the song after VBS this week there. But it says in verse 14, These all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer along with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with His Brothers. As you see, right along with the apostles, Jesus' mother and his brothers finally realize that their brother wasn't crazy. And what is so impactful and interesting to note here is that Mary is a disciple. She's a follower of her son. She's not worshipped. She becomes a worshiper. She herself becomes a disciple believing and confessing that her son, Jesus, is both Lord and Christ. Something that she understood all the way back at the beginning. In Luke chapter 1, after the angel had announced that she was going to have a child, in Luke chapter 1, and in verse 46, you see the depth of Mary's faith and knowledge of the Scriptures and the covenant of God and the understanding of God's plan. In Luke chapter 1 and in verse 46 it says, And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. She recognized that she needed a Savior. And she praised God for fulfilling His promises and sending that Savior. Her son. And even while he was hanging from the cross and being crucified, being mocked and laughed at and being humiliated, and as she was suffering right there alongside him, she knew this was part of the redemption that God had planned. And so what you see is 
Jesus' commitment and His own faithfulness. You see His faithfulness to God's command to honor father and mother, and you see faithfulness as a son to make certain that his mother was cared for. Before he could leave this world, he made certain that his mother was taken care of. But we also see Mary's faithfulness as a mother on a few levels here. We see her faithfulness to God in raising the Son of God and believing in Him and encouraging Him to embrace His role and His mission. And you see her faithfulness to her Son by being with Him from birth until death. You see her faithfulness in recognizing Jesus even as her own Savior. And as we draw this lesson to a close, there are just some important lessons that we need to all recognize. First and foremost, we need to honor our father and our mother. We need to give them honor. We need to care for them. We need to be committed to them. That's what God expects of us as children. We need to honor those who may not even be our own blood relatives too. We need to be willing to take care of them. We need to be faithful in whatever God has called us to do. We need to be faithful in raising godly children like Mary was. And we need to be faithful to our Lord and Savior who died for our sins. Which we see Mary became one of the disciples. One of the followers of Jesus. We need to follow Jesus. We need to give Him our heart and our life. And just in these two short statements, John 19, Woman, behold your Son. Son, behold your woman, your, your mother. The words of Jesus reflect all of these ideas. This morning, if you're not yet a child of God, Jesus died giving giving His life for you. If you would come to Him believing in Him as the Son of God, if you will come confessing that faith turning away from your sins, being baptized, you can have your sins washed away. Perhaps it is that you have made that commitment to following Christ, but you've not been faithful. You've left the Lord, you've left the church. You need the prayers of the brethren here. You need God's mercy and His forgiveness. We're here to help you and encourage you. If we can help you in some way, would you come now as we stand?